morning, Pastor Keith here, Springville Crossing Campus, and I have a question for you as we begin our time together today. What emoji would you say defines how you've been feeling over this past month or so in quarantine? Now, if your household has been anything like mine, emotionally, it has like been all over the board. Now, in a minute, some of our other pastors will share as well in regard to their emotion, just to get us started. But first, let me tell you that today we are starting a brand new series called Emotional. And we are starting this series because we have realized this is an emotional time for many of us, and that many of us are struggling to deal with the numerous emotions that are rising to the surface. And this series won't just be pop psychology, but rather it will be a deep dive into scripture, into the good and the bad of how some well-known Bible characters handled and dealt with their emotion. And it is our prayer that we as individuals and as families and as a church would exit this season more emotionally healthy than we entered it. That's our prayer. So to get us started, guys, why don't you introduce yourselves and share with us your personal emoji of choice, the one that describes how you've been or are feeling lately. Hello, everybody. Good morning. My name is Paul Gartley, and I'm the Spiritual Formation Pastor, and it's great to be with you like this. As Keith's talking about emojis and what I'm feeling, boy, there's a whole wide range of them. But I think the one that I would say primarily, and it's not normal for me possibly, is the thinking person, the one who has his hand on his chin and is just processing. Because as I look at everything in our world, there's so much to process. And sometimes that can be overwhelming. And I find myself in that space often where I'm, I'm overwhelmed as I, I'm thinking through uh, all this happening around us. Hey, everybody. My name is Kevin. I'm the multi-site pastor. And my emoji during this time would probably be the face palm emoji. And uh, not really because of the quarantine, but more so, I don't know about you guys, but just the weather that we've been having this last week. Like, it's one thing to go outside and take a walk and get outside and in like 50 degree weather that feels like it's summertime. But then to look out and see over the last couple, you know, three or four days, just snow, I, I, it's just too much for me. Yeah, hey, this is uh, Trevor Kaufman. I'm the campus pastor of our South Creek campus. And uh, I think for me, the emoji that would probably best sum up what's going on in, in my life and in my family right now is the crazy face emoji. It's the one with, uh, you know, one eye that's big, one eye that's a little smaller, the, stung, the tongue is sticking out, and it's just kind of all chaos. And so that's sort of what it feels like in my house is when I'm navigating family, work, uh, school, and all of that stuff together. And so it just sort of seems at times like things are just crazy and in chaos. Um, but I, you know, we have our moments and, and things kind of feel better at each day and, and we're overall in a good place, but that's sort of the one that would probably do it for me. And so we've sort of talked about our emojis, but I would like to ask the question, what do you think would be under frequently used emojis on Jesus phone? First, maybe we want to ask what kind of phone he uses, but we're not going to get into that this morning. But, um, you know, what would it be? Would it be something like the smiley face or the praying hands emoji or the one with the halo around his head? these kind of cliche emo emotions that we assume and that Jesus always had. But the reality is, was that really the full range of Jesus' emotions? I mean, I mean, we know that Jesus was, was fully God and fully human with all aspects of himself integrated and completely whole. Well, we, on the other hand, are fully human on a journey of discovering wholeness with the help and the power of Jesus and his spirit. And so through this series, we want to focus on that one aspect of being human that we often neglect, and that's, that's our emotions. 
you know, we talk about quite often about having the mind of Christ, you know, and, and joining in on the suffering that he experienced as we remember that through uh, the, the sacrament of communion. We talk about having the spirit of Jesus to help empower us as we go through our daily lives. But we don't often talk much about Jesus' emotions or our emotions, especially the negative ones. And Jesus himself did have them. But before we get too far, let's just make sure that we understand how Christians do struggle with emotional health. You know, Christians can be found all over the emotional spectrum. And if you're anything like me, sometimes you push those negative emotions and you really don't want to acknowledge that they are present or that they even exist. And, and we, as, a, as people, as believers, often don't know how to process our negative emotions. And, and that comes, comes, really comes to the surface often when we're in, a, in dire situations. Many of us have lost a loved one or, or somebody close to us at some place in our, our lives. And you've probably heard times like this, uh, phrases like this at the most difficult times. Well, they're in a better place. Or they're an angel in heaven now which theologically is so wrong, but we still hear it. Or maybe you've heard, everything happens for a reason. Please tell me that at times when you're hurting the most, those are the last things you want to hear. And sometimes you just want to wring the neck of whoever is saying it. I, I know I've been there. But, but that's how most people, or a lot of people react when negative emotions flood in because we just don't know how to handle them. So that's one end of the spectrum. And, and those people, you could say, they, they deal with things with a, a spiritual band-aid, an emotional band-aid, where they don't want to get to the deep matters that are at hand. They just put this little emotional band-aid over it and hope that everything is okay. They're the band-aid Christians. And, and then you have Christians on the other end of the spectrum, people who, who their whole faith is based on emotion. And it's actually not based on God himself. And let me tell you what I mean by that. These people get nervous if their emotions toward God aren't intense at all times. As they're praying, if they're not feeling like everything's lining up in a supernatural way, they're feeling like they've failed. When they read the scriptures, if they don't feel like they're in Jesus' very presence, they feel like something's wrong because the emotional connection is broken. And when they read the scripture, if they don't have that, they, everything tends to fall apart if they don't have that brand new epiphany. And they do study after study and listen to sermon after sermon and engage in religious activities for years and maybe decades, seeking emotional highs. But are they ever really any closer to God? I dare to say they've never really trans been transformed. And they've ne never actually transformed by what they experience. Yeah, Paul, those are great points. So today, that's what we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about our emotions. And we want to begin by looking at three symptoms of someone who is emotionally immature. See if any of these sound familiar. The first one's this, ignoring negative emotions. See, while some people are carried away by their feelings, it's much more common to encounter Christians who feel that they cannot admit their negative emotions. Sometimes that's because they just are in denial ignoring it, or some people even think that it's just sinful to have negative emotions. And so often they, they quote scripture passages like, the joy of the Lord is our strength, but they ignore entire books of the Bible that are filled with negative feelings, books like Lamentations and the Psalms and Ecclesiastes. So throughout the scriptures, God himself felt difficult feelings and emotions. In fact, in Genesis, it tells us that God at one point regretted making humans. 
multiple times in the Bible, it says that God was angry toward his people. And even for us today, the scriptures tell us that God is jealous for us. These are just a few examples of some of these emotions. But as we'll see a little bit later, these emotions, they're also reflected in the person of Jesus as well. Since we are made in God's image, denying some of our emotions is really denying aspects of our creator. And we cannot discover wholeness by ignoring our emotions. By us failing to process our negative emotions, it, it limits our ability to truly love ourselves, love God, and love others the way that God has wired us to do so. And that's why this issue is so important to talk about. Keith, why don't you share with us another symptom of emotional immaturity? Sure. A second symptom of emotional immaturity is spiritualizing away conflict. Very few of us come from families in which conflicts were resolved in healthy and mature ways. I mean, was anyone else there out there raised by humans like me? Well, what that means is you weren't raised perfectly because each one of us, our parents included, are broken by sin. And that means even in the best of cases, there were gaps. Gaps in our parents' way of raising us. Thus, many of us, because it was what we saw, it was what we learned, many of us bury our emotions. We bury our tensions and we just move on. And we often even consider ourselves holier for it. Let me show you what I mean. Spiritualizing away conflict can look like the following. One, maintaining a peaceful relationship with someone to their face, but then talking to others about them behind their back. Or it can look like the good old silent treatment. Or there's sarcasm or, or saying something hurtful, followed with, hey, I I'm just joking. Or how about angry emails, angry texts, instead of talking to someone face to face. Or spiritualizing away conflict even looks like saying yes when we really mean and we really want to say no. And it is avoiding or withdrawing from people so we don't have to deal with them. Yet we'll see later that Jesus does not avoid conflict and he does not avoid the emotion of it. In fact, he was continually surrounded by it and he was willing to engage in things like conflict and all sorts of emotions. And he was willing to do that to bring about true peace and reconciliation and healing. He was willing to do that rather than maintaining a false peace with tension boiling just beneath the surface. Yeah, and a third symptom of emotionally immature Christians would be judging other people's spiritual journey. You see, an emotionally immature Christian might scoff because someone reads a different translation of the Bible than them. Or as I even mentioned a few weeks ago, an emotionally immature Christian might might look down upon somebody for worshiping or singing a certain way with a certain style of music because that's not the, how the way they prefer it. That's not how it should be done. An emotionally immature Christian may use a line like, how can you call yourself a Christian and do this or do that? You fill in the blank. The emotionally immature Christian struggles to recognize that we are all on a journey of discovering wholeness in Jesus and becomes insecure if others' journeys, other person's journey doesn't look just like theirs looks. And if you want a very deep and theological and animated documentary on this, I would encourage you to watch the following film. Now, you can write this down or whatever. It's Trolls World Tour. Trolls World Tour. 
Now, as humorous as that may sound, the reality is that the main character and that one of the main characters in, in that is struggling with this very thing, looking at other people and saying, they're doing it wrong, everybody needs to do it my way. It's a sign of an emotional, immature individual. So it's a great movie, it just came out on streaming, you should check it out, it's phenomenal. But we could say a lot more about emotional symptoms when it comes to emotional immaturity, but we just simply don't have the time to do that this morning. I would encourage you to check out tomorrow's night's family night online, and we're going to get into more of that in a little bit. But, but I'm, so, I'm thinking that some of these symptoms that we've just gone through sound familiar. We all have work to do when it comes to emotional health. And the fact is this. You cannot mature spiritually while remaining emotionally unhealthy. Let me say that one more time. You cannot mature spiritually while remaining emotionally unhealthy. Wow, guys, those are some incredible insights. But I want to share a thought by one of the greatest theologians of our day. Now, you might know him by his red sweater or his television show, but he had great insights into many areas of our life. Mr. Rogers was so widely popular because he recognized that emotions were real. And in fact, he had this phrase, this saying that I think helps frame everything we're talking about. Emotions are mentionable and manageable. Having emotions is part of being human. Listen to this. You're not a robot. You were created in the image of God and a God who in the Old and New Testament had a full range of emotions without being overtaken by them. For example, let's take a look at Matthew 4 verses 1 through 11. This is probably an account that you're familiar with. But as I read it, I want you to, to think in your mind or maybe even jot down or comment on Facebook. What was Jesus feeling in this moment? So let me read this. Uh, Matthew 4, 1 through 11. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the desert to be, to be tempted by the devil. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. The tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Jesus answered, it is written, man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city and had him stand at the highest point of the temple. If you are the son of God, he said, throw yourself down, for it is written, he will command his angels concerning you, and they will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against the stone. But Jesus wasn't fooled. Jesus answered him, it is also written, do not put the Lord your God to the test. Again, the devil took him over to a very high mountain and showed him all of the kingdoms of the world in their splendor. All this I will give to you, he said, if you bow down and worship me. Jesus said to him, away from me, Satan, for it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the devil left him and the angels came and attended to him. So do you think some of the emotions that Jesus was feeling were, were alive? Do you think he had a lot going on in his heart and his mind at this time? Kevin, what are your thoughts on this? That's a great question, Paul. Yeah, in this passage, like you read, Satan tempts Jesus after 40 days and nights of fasting. The Bible says that the Spirit of God led Jesus into the wilderness, and then Satan shows up testing him, tempting him, holding this carrot in front of him, trying to, to lure him in this very vulnerable moment. I mean, fasting for 40 days, which leads me to think that Jesus was probably very frustrated. 
you know, he's prob- probably even a little bit angry. Because guys, we all know what it's like to be ambushed by negative emotions when we're hangry, right? This is where Jesus was at. This is real life for him. And by tempting Jesus, Satan offers Jesus this band-aid, like we talked about, this fix, temporary, immediate fix to prevent him from being really the savior of the world. He offers him a a false sense of peace and an easy, immediate out so that Jesus could avoid having to deal with all the pain and the suffering as a result of him having to go to the cross and defeating sin. So in these three temptations, Satan basically saying, Jesus, you can provide a quick way out of your suffering. You know, see that stone over there? Turn it into bread. Eat up. Or, or second, the second temptation. You know, Jesus, you can provide yourself or prove yourself right here, right now, by jumping off the highest part of the city and have your angels catch you to show everyone how amazing you are. And, and the third one, Jesus, you know, you possess everything you need to escape what you came to do here on earth. You don't have to die on the cross. These are his luring ambushing emotions that Jesus felt very real in a real way in, that, in those moments. And did you notice that Satan even uses scripture out of context to try to manipulate Jesus' emotions? What Satan's doing with this ambush is he's saying, you don't have to go through this stuff. Here's a quick fix to dismiss those negative emotions that you're feeling. But guys, here's the good news. Jesus knows this. And he models for all of us that sometimes it's good It's even best for us to live in the tension of the negative emotions that we experience. And the good news is Jesus doesn't cave in to to Satan's emotional ambush tactics. Right, Keith? Yeah, but we sure often do, don't we? But I want to say that we don't have to. Now, the, the first step of emotional health is really one that Jesus never had to take and actually didn't have to take. And as we see, we don't really have to either. But because Jesus was perfect, perfect in the face of temptation, he handled it rightly, which we can learn and grow from. But he still faced what we do. Emotion threatened to ambush him. And that is really the first step in this journey. And as humans living in a broken and a sinful world, we have to admit that we are just ambushed by our emotions many times. What I mean is is they just come out of nowhere. We can just be going along like minding our own business and whammo, right? And emotion just hits us and we're like, wow, where did that come from? And I think that is what this whole pandemic in quarantine did to the majority of our world. We didn't see this thing really coming and we certainly weren't expecting all of the emotions it may have brought with it. You know, the fear, the anxiety, the anger, the the confusion, the sadness, whatever. We were just ambushed. We have been, and we will continue to be as this thing plays out and, and just as life plays out. But we are, what we are trying to show you right now is that Jesus knows. He knows how that feels. He can relate, and we can, and in fact need to take such peace and encouragement from that. And I want you to remember, Satan, okay, your enemy and mine, well, he prowls. He prowls like a roaring lion, waiting to devour. AKA, he what? (laughs) He looks to ambush us. Jesus has been there, church, and we can look to him for both an example and a source of power in these difficult emotional times and moments. With that, Trevor, would you just share with us what you see 
helping Jesus to find footing in response to the ambush that would help us all when we're ambushed by negative emotion? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, You see, right before Jesus was taken into the wilderness to be tempted, we see in Matthew 3.16, when Jesus was being baptized, that he and many people around him heard a voice from God say the following. It's found in John 3.17. It says, This is my son, whom I love. With him I am well pleased. You see, what Jesus was experiencing there was his father's approval. And you know what's so fascinating is that God's approval came before Jesus had done anything in ministry. I mean, think about this. The Spirit of God descends and and shines down upon Jesus, and God the Father in that very same moment audibly speaks, providing Jesus with a very solid emotional foundation, saying, this is my Son, whom I love. With him I am well pleased. And I truly believe that as Jesus entered into the wilderness and was ambushed by Satan through temptation, that those words from his heavenly Father were still ringing in his ears giving him solid ground to stand on when those negative emotions ambushed him. And understanding who we are as followers of Jesus Christ, understanding that our identity is found in Jesus Christ alone and it's not found in our performances or what we can do through our possessions or what we've, what we've been able to accomplish, but it's found truly in who we are in him. When we have that, it becomes footing And it becomes ground for us to stand on when we are ambushed by negative emotions or temptations, just like Jesus was in that moment. And you're going to see more of that play out through your reading this week as we're going to make available to you online. And you'll hear more about that in just a little bit as well. But the reality is that Jesus didn't let these negative emotions affect him. He didn't let them consume him or destroy him like unfortunately we so often do. He instead gets solid footing through his identity in his heavenly father, through the written words of God. And so can you and I. That's available for you and I as well. In fact, listen to this verse that should help us stand our ground under any emotional ambush we may be faced with. John 1, 12 says, Yet to all who did receive him, to those who have believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. What I'm about to share with you might be exactly what you needed to hear this morning. Just as Jesus was found God's approval before his baptism, before he'd done anything, listen to this. God the Father stands ready to approve you before you do anything for him. Before you take one step, God already approves of you and loves you and accepts you and embraces you. Because when he looks at you, he sees Jesus. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not by works. It's a gift of God so that no one can boast. Stake your identity in God. Not your ability to provide or perform or to possess many things. But simply stake your identity in God. Let's look at one more example of Jesus doing this to resist the emotional ambush of the enemy. This is a passage we've read throughout the Easter season, and it'll be very familiar with you. But in Matthew 26, we see Jesus overwhelmed by emotion, where it says, My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. He's about to be crucified. He's about to be arrested before his crucifixion. He's asking his closest followers, 
in his greatest moment of need, as, as, he's, as he's about to lay down his life for you and me, he's asking them, stay with me, watch with me, be right here with me. And then just a little bit later, he says to his father, my father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me, not as I will, but as you will. You see, what we see modeled here by Jesus is we need safe places to let out our emotions, whether it be friends who we're close with or, or God himself. We need trusted friends around us to, to let these emotions out. God is a safe place for us to process all of our emotions. As Jesus felt the weight of sin and death looming upon him, ambushing him, he was honest with others about how he was feeling, and he asked for prayer. And then he prayed himself. He didn't need a Band-Aid prayer. He didn't need just something to cover a surface wound. He really needed to deal with his emotions in this time. He needed a safe place to process all that was inside of him. That is what Mr. Rogers meant by emotions are mentionable. It's healthy to state your feelings, especially to God. Don't be afraid to say to God, I'm angry. My plans have changed. All of us are feeling that right now. Since I lost my job, I feel like I can't provide for my family, and I feel such weight from that. I know that's true for some. I'm overwhelmed by anxiety, and all I want to do is sleep, eat, or, or play video games, or watch Netflix, or whatever the case may be. We're all experiencing that. I'm scared that someone I love is going to get sick. I'm sure you've had those thoughts. If Jesus needs space to process his emotions, we certainly do as well. This week, we simply identified the problem that, that negative emotions exist and sometimes we really don't know how to deal with them. And, and we have to admit that we're ambushed by these emotions. Each week after this, we want to show you more and more steps on how to process these negative emotions as we get on the path towards emotional health. Each week, we're going to provide weekly readings and reflection questions that address, the, and address these topics on Family Night Online on Mondays and Wednesdays throughout the service, throughout the series on Family Night Online. We're going to be talking about emotional health to give more tools to you um, throughout the series. Keith will have more on that in just a moment when he closes us out. But Kevin, before we hear from Keith, uh, would you close us in prayer? Yeah, I'd be happy to. Let's pray together. God, we thank you so much uh, that you created each one of us. We thank you that we're created in your image and all that goes with that. God, thank you that we are physical beings, that we are emotional beings, that we are spiritual beings. And it's in times like this, in, in seasons like this around the world, where sometimes we, we are ambushed by these emotions. But I thank you, God, that you show us how to handle them. I pray that we would use this time to be able to process our emotions, whether good or bad, with you and with other people. And that, God, this would be a time when we follow the example of Jesus. We follow the example of what it means to, to love you and love others in a way that honors you with our emotions, no matter if they're something that the enemy wants to try to use against us or something that, that you want to use for us to make us more like yourself. So God, thank you for this series. Thank you for each person that's watching. We just surrender ourselves, our, our emotions, and all that we are to you. 
We thank you in Jesus' powerful name. Amen. Guys, this has been great. Keith, you have some closing thoughts for us, right? Yeah. Now, uh, many of you know that we just wrapped up the 100-day challenge where we read the entire New Testament, and we have felt how God ordained the timing of that was. People over and over again are saying how that is being such a big help for them during the season. So with that, we don't want that to stop. So our Bayview Chapel campus pastor, John Horton, is putting together a reading plan for this series, Emotional. And it will be available on a week-by-week basis. And we're doing that so we don't rush ahead and so we can really give God the time he needs to work. Because you see, while the 100-day challenge was for breadth of knowledge, a a 30,000-foot view, if you will, the reading plan for Emotional is for depth, uh, for a close-up view of what is going on inside of us. And that reading plan will be available at watermarkwesleyan.com backslash reading plan each and every week. Also, you'll want to continue or start, if you haven't been, tuning into our Family Night Online, 6.30 p.m. Monday through Friday. That's at our Facebook page, and they're also available after that on the website. And as Paul mentioned, on Mondays and Wednesdays, we will share practical additional ways to process emotions all throughout the series. And also on Tuesdays for fun, we're gonna be starting a trivia format, Trivia Tuesdays. So check out Family Night Online all week long in addition to that reading plan. And through all of this, we pray and we trust it will just help each and every one of us in journeying toward emotional wholeness in Jesus Christ.